My name is Daniel. And I'm Sarah. And we're your hosts of The Disciples Mike, a podcast produced by Woodbury Lutheran Church in Woodbury, Minnesota. This show is all about learning what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And on this episode, we are talking with senior pastor of Woodbury Lutheran Church, Tom Fotenauer. We're going to hear about what it was like for him growing up as a pastor's kid here at Woodbury, what ultimately led him to go into the ministry, what it's been like being a pastor through these past years of COVID, politics, and racial tensions, and what being a disciple of Jesus looks like for him. So sit back, get ready. This is The Disciples Mike. Good morning, guys. Oh, hey. Hey, good morning. How are you doing, Tom? I, I, you are the first guest. That's what I hear. That we have had. So you're setting the bar. Cool. You're setting the bar today. So you get to choose if you set it really low or really high. Well, if I set it low, then it will be easy for everybody else who comes after me. You're right. That's right. And you are a serving and giving individual. And so <laughs> we expect a low bar to be set. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's it. Is that, I, is that not it? I don't think that's it. That's not it. No. no. Well, before we get started, I, I just want to mention for all those listening, we might have a lot of uh, new listeners this week, maybe from our church. Uh, if you're listening, if you're on Apple Podcasts, you can not only subscribe, but if you leave a rating and review, that actually helps out new podcasts a lot, helps us uh, get in, what do they say, the old algorithm, yep. Uh, yep. show up more. Uh, so more Leave people. a rating and yeah. review it, even if it's not a good rating. No, we want good ratings. We want, we want good yeah. ratings. But yeah. you know what? A, a rating, tell, is us, a rating. Tell, us, tell us how you feel. News is news, right? <laughs> no news is, I don't know. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So that would be awesome if you're able to do that. But starting uh, to start us out, before we get into getting to know more about you, Tom, Sarah has a ridiculous question that I don't yeah. know about. Oh. Yeah. And is a, so we, that we are. I wanted a blind to, reaction. Yeah. That's good. What I, that's what I wanted. So this is a question that is apparently plaguing the teenage culture, years, whatever. Um, it's on TikTok, which is why everyone knows it. And what, What's TikTok? Is that like a mint or? Yes. Okay. It's a different version of a TikTok. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Thought. It's evolved. Uh, yep. It really has. Uh, so this question, a student asked me, and but they phrased it like it was a really serious question. Like it was but after, it's ridiculous? But it's ridiculous. Okay. But they, so I was at, at Oak Hill after church on a Sunday and the student comes up to me, I'm talking to another congregation member and they're just standing there patiently waiting for them to leave. They walk away and he goes, Sarah, I, I have to ask you something. And like, that's always, it can go either way. No one knows right. what's going to happen. But they look at me, they go, okay, Sarah, what are there more of in this world? Doors, doors or windows? Doors or windows. No, yes. doors or wheels. Doors or wheels. Yeah. So doors I'm so far ahead of you on this. This is great. Well, this great. was a conversation I had like wow, three did you, weeks did ago. Did you prep Tom beforehand? I feel no, like, I feel no like I'm the only I one. I just text Tom. I'm the only one out of here. You didn't know the doors or wheels I haven't, thing? Well, I've never thought about this before, no. Yeah, it's really interesting. And then you think about um, like what counts as, as wheels, you know? Yes. Like is it? everything i mean i heard everything what about like 18 wheeler trucks right so on an 18 wheeler truck there's only two doors but right. then you've got all 18 wheels but so i was listening to another podcast that was actually talking about this very question really and they were getting deep <laughs> deep into it and they they i can't remember you could you could use the google right now to find out how many cars are in the world Right. So that's, but then you think about like your house. Well, that's what I was trying to think like personally. Yeah. Do I, do I own more wheels or windows? So like in your condo, there's probably front door or door and do garage doors to garage doors. Yeah, Cause there's still doors. There's doors. So there's like three, then into your bathroom, four upstairs, five, six, seven. I think you've got eight doors. I have at least, I have at least eight doors. Tom knows the amount of doors so that, you have at your yeah. house. Because well, I Tom, live there. Tom knows, knows my <laughs> current living situation better than I do. Um, yeah, so I've got like eight eight doors. I'm trying to think wheels. You know, I've obviously Oh, got you forgot the sliding glass door. That's sliding wrong. glass door. So we're probably up to, you know, double digits What here. about like an oven door? Does that still count? Counts. That's it's microwave still door. doors. So we're up to like 10. Well, refrigerator door. A, is a cabinet? Is that a No, door? that's a drawer. That's Well, no, no. Like it's the, a drawer, not a door. Wow. <laughs> I didn't think about that one. But, but I, I went through it 
like I Googled <laughs> how long wheels have been around versus how long doors have been around. Yeah. Mm. And wheels have been around for like a couple thousand more years than do- no, I That's not true. I just I'm I'm going off of Google, Tom. How would they know? Like, did Jesus have uh, wheels? Well, I just love it when people make stuff up and they put it on the interweb, and then they think, yeah, like this is real. That's of actually course, something. Adam and Eve had to have doors. They lived in a shelter, right? Yeah, but how do you know that they had doors? They wouldn't need to keep anyone else out. Yeah, they would. I mean, later. Do you like to sleep with light pouring into your sleeping arrangement? But that could have been a a, a curtain. That's a door. 3000 BC. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> so do we have a general consensus? Uh, Tom, what's your vote? I really don't know. This is, it's, is there an answer? There's wheelchairs invented. I want wheels. Um, fourth millennium BC is when wheels were invented. Doors were invented in 3000 BC. I'm not good at like the millennium stuff. I'm going to assume give four me, is, Give me years to years, apples to apples here. Uh. In Lower Mesopotamia, modern-day Iraq. Does that help? Uh, It was only in 2000 BC that discs began to be hollowed out. No, no one cares about that. Um, I'm going to say that, yeah, 4,200 BC was uh, when the wheel was developed in Mesopotamia, Mm -hmm. but doors was 3,000 BC. So it's for 1,200 years there were wheels but not doors. I, I, I just don't buy it. I, I say wheels because how long wheels have been around. Plus, yeah. you've got you've got Hot Wheels, you've got remote control cars. You do. You have yeah. all of these things. You don't have remote control doors that kids play with. Well, you do, but they there's like doors toys. on the remote control car. Yeah, but the doors don't open. Some of them they do. Mine did. Peyton's Barbie car doors open. Well, I'm sticking with my wheels <laughs> thing. I'm gonna go with doors because especially there's so many different kind of doors and there you go. But the world the will never know. Really low. The world will never know, and the bar has been set low. But now the teens are engaged because we're talking about and the that's things. that's who we want. They're the teens. Wow, ageism going on in this <laughs> Just podcast. Kidding. We, love, we love all ages. <laughs> all ages are welcome here. That's right. Well, thank you, Sarah. That's a great, uh, great opening question. I hope that was very thought-provoking for. You can uh, always trust me to have a question like that. Yes, that is. That's what Sarah brings to the, the table. The one thing here. I bring to this <laughs> is these good questions. So, Tom, uh, we wanna <laughs> we have you here today because uh, we want to get to know more about you. Um, whether the listener is goes to our church or you know, or maybe they're. They don't. Maybe they're from a different place. And even people who do go to the church, you know, Woodbury being a, a larger church, it's sometimes difficult to get to know your pastor on a deeper level than just Sunday and something like that. So, uh, yeah, I want to start out with just telling us about what it was like for you uh, growing up here, a little bit about your family, kind of what led you guys to uh, being here in Woodbury and kind of what child life childhood was like for you wow a lot wrapped up any any direction you want to go that yeah thanks for uh for having me first of all it's good to be here with you we're in the basement of our wakota ridge campus feels a little bit like a shelter down here so we're safe from tornadoes we're fully safe fully fully safe and there's like little kids chairs around i know i wish people could see (laughs) we should we could do the youtube (laughs) <laughs> right now, right not now. later, right now. <laughs> Back to your question. Really great question. So my mom and my dad met in North Dakota at a uh, actually a Christian camp. My dad was a pastor out there at a couple of different churches, and my mom was uh, doing an internship, I believe, and was working at this summer camp. So they met there, and my mom was uh, at Valparaiso University, so she's getting her degree there, became a deaconess but i guess the story goes they you know connected and uh, did they date i don't know if they dated back then it was, <laughs> was a dating, long time ago dated. was it a thing I, yeah. so whatever people did back then before they would get married they did uh, you never asked your parents how long they dated before they got married no has not come up in conversation <laughs> Maybe we need to have them on the park. Yeah, we could. They'd love being on the <laughs> podcast. Pastor Paul, I think, would legit love that. That would be great. Yeah, they'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, they got engaged in New York on uh, one of the bridges there. And my dad 
I think it was the Brooklyn Bridge, maybe. I don't know. It was like, if you don't say yes, I'm going to jump off the bridge. So that was the, <laughs> right. A little bit of guilt right off the bat. That's good. Yeah. yeah. That's always good. That's Man. how they roll, I guess. So got engaged, got married. Um, and then shortly after that, my dad took a call to Canada. So he was wow. up in Ottawa, Canada as a pastor up there. I'm not sure how it worked back then, if like our synods were connected or whatever, so that they shared pastors and whatnot. So went up to Canada. Both my brother and sister, PJ and Patra, were born in Canada. They're 12 years older than me and 10 years. My brother's 12 years older. Sister's 10 years older. And then uh, after being there for a few years, the uh, the district here in Minnesota, and I think it was one district at the time, uh, decided they need to start a new church in this little suburb called Woodbury, which was interesting because there was already an LCMS church just down the road from where uh, our Valley Creek campus is, still there today, St. John uh, Lutheran Church. But at the time, the ELCA, I don't think they were the ELCA then, ALC maybe, and the Missouri Synod were working together looking for places where they should plant churches. And so they said, all right, you guys, you know, you plant an ALC church here and you plant an LCMS church here. And so Woodbury came up for uh, another LCMS church called my parents to come and plant a, a church. And as they tell the story, they drove down from Ottawa, crossed over from Wisconsin into Minnesota, and there was lots of tears, like, what in the world did we get yeah. into? What? Are, how do we do this? And just started connecting with the neighborhood, uh, Royal Oaks there, right around uh, our Valley Creek campus and uh, Woodlane Hills, I think it is. Um, kind of on the old part of Woodbury, that was all that was there. Just started connecting with people, uh, bringing them together, doing Bible studies in the the parsonage, which uh, they later would buy from the church. It became their house. They still live there. It's where I grew up. It's where James Bogert and his family <laughs> lived for a few weeks. Uh, and uh, gathered folks there. And then it was time to launch a worship service, rented out uh, Royal Oaks Elementary, worshiped there for a couple of years, and then uh, went on over to build our first location. And uh, fun fact, Sarah's grandpa, Dick Fisher, was our first church council president. Yep. Wow. And the story is told of my dad and Dick going to the district office and kind of laying it out, right? Yeah. This is what we're going to do. Yeah, because my grandpa was in the business world, and so he was able to speak business side of things and yeah he and pastor paul went and got funding for to build what is now our valley creek campus so our families go back a lot of yeah years. you guys are both your families are founding yeah founding people here i think that's one of the, the cool things just about woodbury lutheran you can see that uh there's a lot of and kind of minnesota right you never really leave although I yeah did, i did leave for a while but it Kind of draws you, draws you back, and I always love when I now can look at even some of our staff and see folks who grew up in our church, know the culture, know what we're about, because uh, it's a unique culture, definitely in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod for sure, in a good way, I would say. And so uh, it's fun to see see long term connections that can bring those pieces together, and then we'll talk more more about that yeah. uh, along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that has to bring a lot of benefits to a church to have such deep uh, longevity of people, their families and the history uh, staying there. I mean, it probably has challenges too, I'm sure. Um, but <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but yeah, that's just cool. I, you don't see that everywhere of, uh, of people staying, you know, especially nowadays, it seems like people are moving churches all over the place. And, yeah. So it's really cool to kind of see that history there. Yeah, and like you can work look at our worship team too, especially our online campus, and see how many like there's multiple of us that have have been around for a while, like Josh Brocker and and Missy Getch and my brother, and we've got this like that. Is it John's birthday today? By it the way, it is. Yeah, it's my brother's oh birthday my today. Gosh. Happy birthday, John Dibburn, March twenty fifth. Yes. 2022. I left him a note on his his bathroom mirror this morning before I left because I live with my brother and it just said, here's to 37 more years. 
37 more? He's 37. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a little morbid, but I hope he gets more than that. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. It is. Well, they asked my brother to do a toast for one of my birthdays, and he couldn't think of anything. And so he said, here's, I think it was my 21st birthday. He said, here's to 21 more years. And my grandparents, (laughs) so the grandpa we were just talking about, we were sitting at the table, and my, my grandpa just is like looking, and he just looks up and looks at John and just goes, I hope Sarah has 21 more years, of, more than 21 years of life left in her. Like, yeah. same, Grandpa. Same. That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, it's his birthday. That's exciting. Um, okay, so we are all in a unique situation that we are all church workers' kids. Like, we all grew up in this. And all of us, I think, can have very different experiences. Like you hear of the extremes of what it was, what it, what it's like growing up as a, as a PK and, and things like that. And so I think the three of us could all tell a very different story of what that was like. But Tom, what was it like for you growing up as a, as a PK or a pastor's kid for those listening at home? It was great. Um, Woodbury Lutheran was always really great to our family. Um, I know there were lots of challenges, and Daniel, you can speak to this with your dad as a pastor. You know, Sarah, I grew up church work mom. There's always stuff and things that um, we don't always know about. Maybe it was my parents did a good job of kind of shielding me, shielding us from the junk of the church. And so I have just really great memories of our church growing up, Um some of the rhythms that were instilled in me are things that you know I still find myself going back to um, stuff that I just yearn for. I remember having a conversation with one of our longtime members. This was probably five, six years ago because she's now passed. And she was just really struggling with the changes that have happened in our our church over the years and kind of pining for, wishing, you know, it was more like it used to be. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to her, just put my arm around her, like, you know, I miss those days too. I yeah. miss those days when we had two services and we all knew each other and we didn't have to program relationships and small groups because we were all each other's small groups and people would come and knock on our door all throughout the week and just let themselves into our house and there'd be conversations and people would show up for dinner and the phone was ringing and there was conversations there. And then we'd go up to church and we'd do stuff there two, three times a week. And it was kind of the center of, of our community in our life. And it's just changed so much. Um, but what I love about Woodbury Lutheran is we've been able to navigate those changes and still remain faithful to God's word, to our Lutheran background, and yet been super good at connecting with people still, connecting with our uh, community, connecting with those who are far from church and disenfranchised with church, different faith backgrounds. I think one of our biggest challenges is we have people from so many different faith backgrounds that yeah. it's like, okay, just in this this week, okay, I've talked to a family who was uh, Methodist and Presbyterian. Uh, the husband was Baptist and, I don't know, I think Episcopal or something. Talked to another family that was uh, heavy, heavily Catholic in background, and we're putting all those people together, but that's sort of the, the community feel that's always been um, at, at Woodbury Lutheran. And so I think, you know, throughout the years and growing up as a pastor's kid, I always felt like the church let me be me mm-hmm. and didn't put expectations um, on how it was supposed to be. Now, there were times where maybe I felt that a little bit, you know, like, yeah. oh, I'm the pastor's kid, I should be doing this, but I, I don't know. And it's just a real comfortable environment. And so I'm now seeing that for my own daughter, who's nine, that she loves to come to church. She loves to sing loud. She loves to go to Kids Link. She loves to go to the different campuses. Uh, Christmas Eve, she was so excited to be in church four times. Wow. Each time getting more excited. And I don't, and I don't know how long this will last. Um, yeah. But I think a, a big reason for that is um, church is a safe place for her, 
and church is not a fake place. It's a real place. And when we do relationship and community like that, it's something that you want to be a part of. Um, and then, Sarah, I won't speak for you, but like coming back to Woodbury Lutheran Church, you know, 13 years ago now, um, that was one of the main things that drew drew us back here to come here because, you know, in our denomination, it's not real normal <laughs> that we do something like that. Yeah. You, you serve in a church where your dad did, much less started. Um, but there's just something special about Woodbury Lutheran that's been there for a long, long time. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I thought it was really cool how you said, you know, earlier when you were talking to that lady about just the changes that have been happening, but you're able to better empathize with her because you've been here uh, for th- throughout the history. You're not just some new guy, you know, just get over, get over the change, you know, <laughs> it's the new way, but you're actually able to, you know, meet people where they're at and, and, uh, and some of the changes have been really good. Like, yeah, I used to sing on Christmas Eve as a kid, like oh, solos in Christmas need, Eve. Need to bring Wait, that seriously? Back. Yeah, <laughs> that's coming. Like back. the gift goes on. I think my brother and sister and I, we like set, you know. So there's some good changes that have happened <laughs> as well that we're not doing doing that. But I think we've been able to um, keep kind of the best of both. Like we're a big church, and we can offer things like this and really great worship and mission opportunities, all that sort of stuff that's big and programmatic that can get, I don't know, cold maybe because it is so programmatic or whatever. Yeah. But we, we have the the relationship pieces, I think, that come up underneath that that make a, a large congregation feel like, hey, we're in this together and we can know people and get to walk with people and all that kind of stuff. And of course, we're not perfect at it. What? Not yet. I thought we were. <laughs> Maybe next year. Maybe. It's a goal for, it's a goal for 2023. <laughs> that's a, that's a, every year be we say, be perfect. Well, Jesus Like your that. heavenly father. Yeah. And every year we fail. Yep. Uh, so next thing I want to kind of ask about is you personally, when did that decision to go into the ministry happen for you? Obviously, you had a great experience with your dad and, and watching him do all this, but when did that kind of uh, you feel the Holy Spirit calling you towards this path? Yeah, it's really a good, good question. So in our family, I think we're now up to 12 generations in a row of pastors, all the way back to Martin Luther's time. <laughs> so no pressure, Peyton. You're going to be the first. Oh, oh. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that. Probably not. No. here. Uh, <laughs> My brother, who's 12 years older than me, is also a, a pastor, so he kind of kept that going. So that pressure was off of me, I guess. And yeah. there, there never really was. Like, my parents, I don't ever remember them saying to me, you should be a pastor. You need to be a pastor. Like, they just wanted me to do what, what I wanted to do and was good at and kind of find my own way um, that way. So I never felt like I need to be a pastor, and I never wanted to be a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> What did you want to be like most of your life? So when I went to college, I studied uh, political science and history. And what can you do with that? Um, You can teach or you can be a lawyer, basically. So I was pre-law in college. I I wanted to be good at something other than being a pastor. Uh, You can see where this is going. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I will prove that I can be good at anything but being a pastor. I, I, I don't know that I ever said that, but that was... I think kind of how I felt on the the inside. Yeah, you know that I I can I can do something else. We don't have to just do this. We could. So yeah. I wanted to be a lawyer. Uh, then I thought about teaching history. Um, so after I graduated college, I actually took a year off of college or off of off of school to figure out what I wanted to do after I graduated. Great plan, right? Uh, moved back to Minnesota, and that was actually uh, the year that my dad was retiring. So it was his last year. In, in ministry. So it was kind of cool to be with them during that time. And I was just sort of figuring it out and uh, went on a mission trip with the church to the Dominican Republic. A whole bunch of people were on that uh, mission experience and hopefully some are even listening mm-hmm. uh, on a bunch of passed away since that time, uh, including uh, Dean Schisler, Pastor Schisler, 
who Sarah knows well. Uh, mm-hmm. You didn't ever get to meet him, Daniel. You might. Is, is that his, is that his bookshelf that is behind my in my yep. office? Yep. Yeah. Okay. And of course, we got all kinds of Schistlers around. Yeah, I know uh, the name. <laughs> Joel and mm-hmm. Gay Wolf is a Schistler. We got all kinds of Schistlers. Julie, yep. we love them. They're fantastic. Um, and so Dean and I, we're on the f- flight, you know, over, and he's just talking to me, and he's like, "You should really think about being a pastor." I'm like, be quiet, dude. <laughs> like, who are you? I just met you. Don't tell me what to do. You know, that whole thing. Yeah. And then he planted that seed and just throughout that that mission experience. I just remember fl- reflecting on that. And then, you know, as a very wise 23-year-old, if there is such a thing, um, looking back at my life, you know, how the Lord had just really prepared me for that. Um, and use different experiences I had and different um, leadership roles, you know, especially through sports, um, things like that. It just felt like, yeah, this is this is right. And uh, I had a long long term girlfriend that just dumped me <laughs> about that time, and so it felt like a lot of reflecting and praying and and just trying to, as we've been talking about, and follow, listen, and obey. Yeah. Okay, so the summer of uh, 2000, my dad retired. I headed down to uh, Concordia Seminary. Pastor Dean Nattesty left Concordia Seminary to come up to Woodbury Lutheran. We crossed paths somewhere on the freeway, maybe, Yeah. along the way, and yeah, jumped into seminary at that time. Awesome. And so that so out of seminary, you then, your first call was to Florida, correct? Correct. Much different weather than Minnesota. Much different weather. <laughs> Boca Raton, South Florida. Yeah. And and so you served there for how long was it? So I did my vicarage there in uh, 2002, 2003, and then was there uh, middle of 2004 to nearly near the end of 2008. Okay. So 2008, and then, and then you receive a call to come back to your home church where your dad was in Woodbury. And I'm just curious, what was that like, uh, getting <laughs> that call? So we should have Stephanie share the story because we, <laughs> we have two different versions okay. of this. Yeah, I will tell mine, and if she actually listens to this, she can call in. Are we going to have like a call-in section? Sure, hey, we, we, can, have we, we, we can, can have a call-in. In. We can call her right can, now. We can bring her in. <laughs> so uh, Tim Wolfgram, who you guys know. Yep. Uh, was leading the the call team and uh, actually called me up on the phone and said, hey, would you be interested in an uh, in interview with Woodbury Lutheran? We're looking for an associate pastor doing mission stuff. And I'm like, no, our senior retires, pastor is just retiring here. Like, I need to, to be here for for a bit. So I said, nah, not not interested. And that's weird anyways, like going back home. That's, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know how that's going to work. And there was lots of other stuff going on at our church where it just felt like we needed to to be there. Um, so they went through the process here at Woodbury, and they called a guy named Nate Gelzo uh, to come and to step into that associate pastor role, actually, for Ben Griffin, mm. who was going to plant the alley at the time. And now it's so great to have Ben back in our Woodbury Lutheran family yeah. and working with Link, of course, but also preaching for us and his kids doing music, all that kind of stuff. So Nate declined the call, and so they went back to the drawing board and uh, called again and said, hey, would you be interested in a conversation? It was probably six, seven months later. I said, sure, you know, I think some things have changed here, and um, I'd be open to a, a, a conversation. So had a had a phone conversation with them. Obviously went really well. They said, hey, we want you to come up and, and visit Okay, that's a little weird. So we flew up, and I'll never forget this. Our plane was delayed or something, and we had rented a car. And I had this huge fear that the only car they were going to have left was like a Hummer or something. And I'd be <laughs> showing up to the interview driving a, a Hummer. Um, so we came up for that interview. just went really, really great. And I'll never forget sitting in, in Pastor Dean's office with him, and Steph was there, and we were talking through the job description and some things, and she's just like, it's like they took you and wrote out this job description. Mm. 
I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what you're supposed to say. <laughs> I know. And then Dean, it's so funny. He, he tells the story like, you know, your name popped up and I'm like, oh, geez, another Fotenhauer. You know, he followed my dad. He was here for 33 years and mm. being founding pastor and all that. Like that was not easy. And there were some huge challenges with that. And if Dean wasn't as strong of a leader as he as he is, you know, I think most guys would not have lasted more than a, a couple of years. And so he's like, oh my gosh, another Fotenhauer? <laughs> like, how do I get rid of you guys? Um, but as we talked, it just became really, really clear that it was a, a really good fit. Now, all that being said, like it took everything in me to <laughs> accept that call and leave where we were at. Um, that's where Stephanie grew up. It was her home church, her family, kind of everything that she knew in life. Um, there was lots of transition in the ministry that was happening there. We loved the congregation. We loved our time there. We loved serving there. And so uh, I remember it was the day we were going to tell our church down there what we had decided. And I woke up that morning and Steph's like, well, what are we doing? I'm like, I don't know yet. <laughs> Come and grab me in my office when, when you get to church. And so she came and found me and like, as we're walking into church, I'm like, all right, we're, we're going, mm, taking the call. Yeah. And she's like, Okay. <laughs> we walked into the sanctuary and we had a couple different worshiping venues and said, you know, I said, I've, I've asked you to follow Jesus my time that I've been with you. And that's what I have to do now. Wow. So we, uh, we left and it was, it was hard because Steph was doing music and again, lots of transition had happened. So uh, that was like in July or something. And it was really interesting. We used the lectionary for preaching. And so the last sermon I preached there was on the very first text that I had preached on when I was a vicar. Wow. Because I was a vicar there as yeah. well. And it was the um, Moses in uh, in the book of Genesis. Or uh, it was Abraham, I think, in, in Genesis. And it was just interesting how it was yeah. kind of like going to a new place mm. was the text uh for both of those come comes full circle yeah it really really that's, did that's crazy so then steph uh i came up here in october and then she stayed through the rest of that year in 2008 and helped with some music stuff and she moved here in january oh my god! best gosh. time to move to get, minnesota get. Oh, it was horrible so i picked Jeez. her up in north carolina she had a friend up there and then we drove back and we hit Wisconsin and she had this little two-door Honda Civic. Some of you might remember I drove it forever until it finally died. Um, we hit this big blizzard in Wisconsin and, and it was just a nightmare. And then the next day we're driving back and it was one of those classic like minus five days, super clear out. The heat in her car isn't working right. I'm looking out a little two by two section through the, the windshield that's all frozen over. <laughs> And yeah, she left the beach for for that. <laughs> for this. Wow. So I think it took her maybe ten years. She'd cry every time the first snow of the year. But I mean, that's what my wife was doing. We're over this it. year. Yeah, <laughs> she'll get over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They. Uh, so my my grandparents have known Tom for they knew him for a lot of years, and I remember. I don't know if I've ever told you this. Of I was over at my grandparents right after. I think we had voted to call you or you had accepted. I think you had accepted the call. And so I was talking to my grandma and grandpa about it. And my grandparents were incredible human beings. Like they had incredible faith. They were great leaders. They were sassy and sarcastic, <laughs> but also really classy. And they were just, they were incredible people. And I, ta I was talking to my grandpa and I'm like, so what do you think about, about Tom coming up? And my grandpa got all misty-eyed like he did at times. And he just had this proud look on his face of, um, and he had, he had gone from calling you only Tom or Tommy uh, for his <laughs> entire, for Tom's entire life. And then right when you accepted the call, my grandpa switched and said, I'm very excited to have Pastor Tom with us. And he was so proud that Tom had come back. And um, 
got all emotional. And that was, that's how you knew with Dick Fisher. Yep. That's so cool. That he meant it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So now you've been at Woodbury for how many years? 14. 14 years. Well, 13 and a half, I guess. And so I'm, you know, I'm curious crazy. over the course of not only, you know, going to Woodbury as a child, but also being here now, what things about Woodbury, the church, have changed? And what, what are like the core things that you think have stayed the same and maybe even helped Woodbury kind of keep propelling Woodbury forward? I look at our values, and when we kind of reworked those a few years back, um, what I love about each of them is they're really rooted in who we actually are. If you ever come to Pizza with the Pastor, put a plug in for that. I'll talk about <laughs> this. Um, like sometimes churches do values, and they're like, hey, let's go look at the coolest church and see what they have on their website, and we'll just take theirs, or... That's one thing churches do, or they'll make them like doctrinal statements. You know, we, we're a church that believes in prayer. We're a church that believes in the Bible. Um, that's good, mm-hmm. right? But that's that's doctrine. It's not necessarily something that you value. A value, I believe, is something that that makes um, a church unique to other churches. Like every church in the whole world should have the exact same mission. It's to, to go and make disciples, right? Yeah. Jesus said, this is what you're going to do. But like uh, people, churches have personalities, and churches have different different giftings and talents than other churches. And so what I love about our values is they're truly rooted in who Woodbury Lutheran has always been. And they're things that people see and, and, and say and experience. So often we'll hear people say, wow, you know, you, you talk about the, the Bible and Jesus a lot at Woodbury Lutheran. <laughs> Like, I have heard this my whole life, okay? What's our first value? It's truth. We're rooted in God's Word. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't something we just made up today, but it's been true of us for 55 years. Community, right? Our name, Woodbury Lutheran. It's for the community. We value our community, serving them, welcoming them. It's something we continually do. Uh, Of course, the, the whole story about come as you are with my my grandma Martha, you know, she uh, she was criticizing my dad because the new sanctuary was too big and you'll never fill it. And then they it was full at Easter. My dad said it was full, and my grandma says, "Well, that's because you'll take anybody at that church." <laughs> of course, we'll take anybody. That's the whole purpose. Yeah. That's why we're here, right? So, just those those values that we've had through the years around care. Uh, Truth, welcoming, all those sorts of things, I believe, uh, are the common thread through every part of our history. And so you can look back at 40 years ago and you can see those values alive. Uh, You can look at five years ago, you see those values alive. You see those values through COVID. Uh, You see those values now. And so those are the things uh, with an intense focus on where it should be on Jesus um, that continue to be the thread that that binds our church together as we go through different seasons of, of change. Uh, I always like to say it this way, we are married to the mission of Jesus, but we are not married to any model of ministry. Mm. We're not married to a music style. We're not married to a, uh, I don't know how you, how you want to say it, a liturgical style. We're not married to... This is how, you know, small groups is what we're doing now, but in 15 years, I don't know if that's the model that's going to work. Multi-site as we're doing it now probably is going to shift and change. Um, But right now, this is what's most effective in connecting people to Jesus. So let's lean into that with the mission of Jesus always being what what guides us. So if we do things a little bit differently, there's, there's a reason why. It's not just to change, but it's to to keep living out the mission uh, more fully. Yeah, th- I think that's so important that every change that you do, it's fueled by that mission, right? We want to we want to make more disciples. We want more people to experience Jesus. And so we're going to do whatever it takes, whether it's the same thing or make drastic changes to meet that mission. Yeah, and everybody has preferences. Mm-hmm. Like I have preferences. <laughs> um, 
our worship services probably would not look exactly like they do if it was just me saying, this is what I want. Yeah. And I know there are other people out there in our congregation. It would look drastically different if it was just what you wanted. But that's not the point of worship, to get what you want. It's to focus us on Jesus and to receive his his good gifts. And so the more that we can be unified in Jesus, um, you know, the stronger that we'll continue to be as a congregation. And it doesn't mean we can't have differences of opinions and all those things. Mm -hmm. Of course. You know, we're, we're people and we're yeah. wired differently. Right. Um, music is a huge way that I'm fed spiritually. And so I'm constantly listening to music and different kinds of music. Um, other people, it's in, in different ways. And so let's not get, you know, caught up in, in preference over the, the mission. Uh, we're doing a, a message series Daniel's working on for after Easter. Yeah. <laughs> called Six Easy Ways to Kill Your Church. <laughs> Sounds like fun, doesn't it? But there, it does. it's it's uh, it's all about internal focus. Mm -hmm. It's all about not praying. It's all about not relying on the Holy Spirit. Fighting over what you want. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's becoming a country club mm -hmm. and it's so easy to slip into into that that really as a church I believe every 2, 3, 4 years uh, you have to kind of be reinventing yourself mm. or refreshing uh, the ministry. Maybe a way to look at it is like coals on a fire. Like every once in a while, you just need a fresh breath of air, right? Something that says, wow. You know, when we experienced that through uh, Chosen a few years ago, we've experienced that in Follow and in, in multiply, we've experienced that in new campuses. We've experienced that in, in mission trips. We've, you know, there's all kinds of ways that the spirit just blows on those coals, and and really fires them up. And then there's a season where they gotta kind of rest a little bit, and then all right, let's lean back into it and keep pushing. Yeah. So speaking of all of that, what is your favorite part about being a pastor? When I get to be with people. <laughs> uh, Daniel sees this because our office is next to each other, but we, we just because of how our church is and you know the the big animal it is, have to spend a lot of time doing admin stuff, being in my office, writing sermons, um, you, you know, uh, answering emails, all those kinds of things, planning, putting out fires, all that sort of stuff kind of comes with the the territory. But my absolute favorite is when I can just like hang out with people and talk about Jesus, whether it's, you know, running up to Oak Hill and doing, you know, a silly game night with the kids and then having 15 minutes where I can talk about Jesus um, or during Lent. Um, I love when the building comes alive with people and I can just walk around and connect at, at the soup meals. Um, so all of people and Jesus are definitely my favorite and people are also the hardest, but we'll keep that off the list for now. <laughs> and I, I love to preach. You know, there's, it's never a burden. Um, I'm always nervous. Yeah. Peyton will make fun of me for that. Dad, what, you're nervous? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be talking to like a thousand <laughs> people and I don't want to say anything terrible. <laughs> um, but there's something that just gives me life again, because I think it's it's talking about Jesus. Like, what could be better than that? And I get paid to talk about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And obviously, being a pastor, it's not just the highs. It's not, not just, you know, the, the favorite things. And especially, I think, these last couple years, you know, I mean, talk about just a whirlwind of things happening. You have COVID. You have political tensions. You have... Uh, racial tensions and and these things are not outside your building. Your your members are your flock is experiencing all of this and and bringing this into uh, the church. So what what was that like for you? I mean, obviously being here in Minnesota specifically, there was just so much going on. How was it for you leading people uh, through a pretty crazy two years? We, how many more hours do we have? <laughs> it was really, really hard. 
Um, I think all of us are just tired from it. Fatigue, decision fatigue. Mm. I'm just getting tired of making calls about stuff because I know whatever call is made, somebody's going to be upset. Yeah, it just it just is, and it feels like everybody is so on edge about everything that there's not as much. I'd describe it as like buffer or grace, you might say, with uh, things that you say or decisions that you make or um, choices that you you feel like you you have to make that are best for for everyone. Yeah. Um, I said right away. The very first week um, that COVID hit, I said to staff and Sarah, remember this? She should remember it. Hopefully, I should make her say it. Like it's the MacGyver thing? Yeah. We're, we're not canceling anything, Boom. okay? We weren't allowed to say canceled. Anybody that says canceled, like you're fired, That's, okay? <laughs> I remember that in the first few I staff I, meetings. I think I've said that word before. Yeah. yeah. Well... Now we can cancel some things, but <laughs> now we can cancel. We're we're not canceling. We we are re uh, shuffling or we focusing. We're we're refiguring out how we do ministry, and we came up with those five guiding principles that helped us to do that through COVID. And then it was the MacGyver thing. Like, let's figure this out, you guys. We don't know what resources we're going to have. We don't know if we're going to have any money left. We don't know if we're going to have jobs left. Um, but we have a mission to continue to connect people to. To Jesus, that's our call, right? So let's figure out how to do that. And so there was no time to get caught up in conversations, distracting conversations around why you canceling church. We're not canceling church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're figuring a way to keep doing it and to bring ministry to um, not only our people but all kinds of other people. I was on a call for our, our Lenten prayer things the other night, and there's a lady on there. She says. Uh, I'm, I live in Wisconsin, about five hours away from Woodbury Lutheran, and I've been a member for a year. Woodbury Lutheran's my church. Hmm. And she was completely dis- disconnected from from church and from God in many ways before all this happened. So maybe it was just for her <laughs> that all this happened. I, I don't know. Um, but that took a lot of energy. And for those of you who know me, like I'm a pretty energetic guy, but... It was tiring, really, really tiring, because every choice we had to make, we had to think about. We used to just go to the grocery store and everything was there that we needed. We didn't have to think about, how do I get toilet paper? You know, that was the big thing early on. And so all of those decisions, just personally and trying to figure out, like with my family and a kid in school and older parents who love to travel and not listen to the rules, um, Trying to figure all that personally and then lead a large congregation was a challenge. So I said to myself early on, like the way that I'm going to get through this is by taking care of myself and by just keeping myself and our church focused on Jesus. And so that was what I tried to do through all of that and not always well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but that was the goal. Like Jesus is the great unifier. And one of the phrases I used a lot was, um, unity doesn't mean uniformity in everything. And so we've got people with very different opinions on all kinds of things. Yeah. But Jesus should be the one who who unifies us. Uh, now, sadly, and Barna's done all kinds of research on this, this time has been kind of a great reshuffling of people, where people are tending to to go toward their echo boxes, echo chambers, whatever, even when it comes to to faith stuff. And so I'm going to make a decision on what church I go to, not on theology, not on doctrine, but on if you're wearing masks or not. Mm-hmm. Like, what? That's how you're going to choose a church? Yeah. Like, you don't care what is believed about baptism or the end times or this isn't theology? And no, it's just... That issue? Okay. And so we lost people and we gained people who weren't happy at their churches, you know? So there was this big uh, reshuffling that that's taken place that, you know, all that stuff is hard. And like longtime people, I was talking to my brother about this. He's been a pastor at his church for, I think, 25 years now. 
and this was just last week we were talking, he's like, people I've been a pastor for for 25 years are just gone, and they didn't even say anything to me. Mm. Like, that sucks. Like, I poured my life into them and can't even say we're going somewhere else and here's why, like, not even the courtesy to do that. You know, and we've had that same same thing, and, like, that just... As a person, it eats at you, but then as a pastor too, you're like, I want to, I want to care for them, and you know, my personality is definitely one of people pleasing, so I have to watch myself on that, and I just take that stuff really, really personally. So I've had to grow uh, in that and figure out some different ways to deal deal with those kind of things. And so for me, like writing letters, either handwritten notes or just letters to people, has been an important way for me to kind of process some of that stuff because it mm. just, it stinks, right? You want to follow Jesus and you want to help other people do that. And you're not perfect along the way for sure. Um, but learned a lot the last couple of years <laughs> about le- leadership and, you know, I've been thankful for our lay leadership has been awesome. And our, our church staff has been really, really great. I don't, you know, Carl got colloquied and, and took a call and been, you know, some other little changes along the way, but really felt unified as a, as a staff. And of course we've got our own issues and challenges, but um, felt really blessed that we were healthy going into it. And now excited about what's coming, coming out of it, what God has done. Like the people who want to be at Woodbury Lutheran now, they want to be there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we want to be here. Mm Mm-hmm. And God is doing something. Uh, just this last week, we finally hit a thousand in-person worship again for the first time, wow. which was great. And we had like one of our biggest online weekends that we've had in months too. Like, yeah, so it's 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 not just shuffling. It's not no, just shuffling it's, necessarily, but yeah. And yeah. even before COVID, there was tons of research around um, churches that were streaming and doing online ministry. You know, people were like, well, that's going to take away from in-person. It was actually the opposite research found, that if you have strong mm-hmm. online, it actually brings more people into to in-person as well and increases those that you can can reach. So wow. sorry, I rambled <laughs> No, there. that was great. Well, uh, it's, it's so important. Like, I think I was super thankful for that, that going into all of this like two years ago. Like it could have gone in a lot of different ways. But the fact that it was like all of us together working towards something because ministry was still happening. Like we still, there were people that still needed to be reached. There were in probably a lot different ways than it was before. But the fact that us as a staff were all unified in it together and we all like, we all, I think needed, we all processed it differently. Um, I remember texting, I think it was John Keene when COVID first started, and I was new-ish into the social media managing side of things. And I remember texting him saying, I see all of these people able to walk away from social media because it's like there's too much happening. There's all these opinions. And I'm like, and I can't. Like, I, I have to stay in it because this is a part of my job. But like we all process things differently and, and came out on, on the other side. But it was really cool to see just how unified we were. Yeah, and, and we had very different opinions. We did, yes. On stuff on, on COVID and how we handled yep. that and the whole racial stuff. Yes. And, mm-hmm. You know, politically, not everybody's the same, believe it or not, <laughs> even in a staff <laughs> of 25 people. And so we can focus on the things that divide us or we can yeah. focus on Jesus who unifies us and then figure out, you know, those differences of opinions that we have. And so I guess for me, I, through COVID, I appreciated the overwhelming support of our congregation. Uh, there was hard stuff and bad stuff, but the overwhelming majority, it was awesome. Mm. <laughs> and the way that people came together Awesome. Support that we received, prayers that we received. I mean, all of it was truly incredible. Financial, all all of that stuff. The church just kept moving uh, forward with a focus on on Jesus. Kind of like, 
an ice breaking ship, you know, just yeah. kept like chugging. <laughs> kept We're going to keep moving yeah. and th- there'll be that. chunks of ice that are going to kind of punch you here and there, but then yeah. there'll be 40 other people that will pick you up and say, you're doing great. Yeah. And we're praying for you and we love you and we're in this with you. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, it was really cool. It popped up on my Facebook memories the two years ago today, uh, John and I FaceTimed with Peyton for the first time uh, during, during lockdown, my brother and I would FaceTime with Peyton uh, cause she is a very extroverted child and really <laughs> likes to talk to people. Um, and I, we would just like play games with her. I think she would read to us. I think once I dropped a craft off at your doorstep and Peyton and I did a craft together. And so the first, we, we FaceTime for the first time two years ago today. <laughs> the and joke book. The, oh awesome. yes. I, I brought a joke book to the Fountain Howers. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, because like kids telling jokes is my favorite age. Why doesn't a giraffe, or, why isn't a giraffe in junior high? Why? Because they're in high school. Oh, that's we need. We need the. We need more Ba-dum-ch. sound effects. The but um. Well, I don't. I, well, there are sound effects. I just don't know which one. Should I just click one? Just click one. Hey! hey! Oh, I did it! <laughs> Let's go. That's that was amazing. complete. Yes. That was awesome. That was complete. Um, okay, so last last question. Yep. Um, what is one thing that you wish the outside world, so those that aren't in in this. Um, what do you wish that they would know about the church, like the body of, of Christ, church, like capital C church, not like us specifically, maybe us specifically, but what would you like the outside world to know about us? Wow. It's a tough question. It really is. Yeah. One You're thing. welcome, guys. Yeah. You're welcome. There's so many things that I wish they knew, of course, Jesus is the obvious answer and how he changes lives and brings hope and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I guess the one thing, and this might be a little bit odd, but I'm going to go with it. Okay? I like God. Yeah. Is uh, we're not crazy weird. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Like, I am so tired of watching television shows whenever a Christian is portrayed, it's like they're complete nut jobs, Mm. you know, just so bizarre in the way they talk and act. Um, But like, we love to have fun. Uh, We don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, It's good to joke around and laugh at ourselves and do things and have fun and we have dreams and we have hopes and all of those kind of things, but they are rooted in uh, this guy who is God too, who died and rose from the dead, who gives us incredible hope through anything. And that can't be taken from us. And so uh, I think it's uh, Saul, Scott Sauls, who says something like, you know, Christians should be the least offended and most joy-filled people mm. of anybody. That's so good. And I don't think I got it totally right, but the least offended and most joy-filled of anybody because we have Jesus in our lives. And I guess that should show. Um, maybe they shouldn't have to ask, like, what's one thing I would want to know about the church? Maybe that should just be more obvious than it than it is. Right. Um, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And one, I think honestly, that's a little bit of why we're doing this podcast. You know, there are obviously people within our church listening to this, but if people discovered on the outside to just see Christians just talking about stuff and, you know, when you only see Sunday stuff, sometimes, um, you know, depending where you can go, it can just, you lo- you forget that we're just normal people and we yeah, and, and it's about and it's about following Jesus. We yeah. say this all the time. It's not about a list of rules. It's not about trying harder, being better. Um, so we've got a family in our lives that we've been connecting with, and they've had terrible experience with church, and uh, they've got a little kid same age as as Peyton, and they're good good buddies. And Peyton's always talking about church, and now he's asking his mom and dad. He's like can can we go to church? And I kind of heard secondhand 
they're like, well, but we're good people. Like, do we need mm. to do that? Like, we're good people. Like, it's not about being a good person. Yeah. <laughs> right? Of course, that's a uh, after effect or should be right. a result of it. But it's about following Jesus and seeing what happens in your life as as the Spirit moves you to do that. And so... I don't know. I've given 15 things. <laughs> yeah. I want them to know it's not just about being weird yeah. and following rules and trying to be better and looking down on everybody else. That's not what it's about. The re- relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good, Tom. And I want to thank you for joining us today. First guest, I have to say the bar is higher than I we initially <laughs> set. So great job. Way to go, Tom. Way to go. Way Wheels to go. or doors. <laughs> And thank you for spending time with us today. If you enjoyed today's show and want to support us, the first way is to subscribe to the podcast. We are releasing a new episode each week, and that is the best way to stay up to date. Also, the most helpful thing you can do for us for the growth of this show is to go on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Hopefully, it's good, but uh, let us know what you think. Um, And if you want to reach out to us personally, our contact info, along with any other information from today's episode, will be down in the show notes below. I hope you're able to join us next week as we are back on the Disciples Mike podcast. Boom. 